Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest throw I've yes, ever Yes, hello and welcome, Bolt fam, to the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast and part two of TDU's 2023 draft breakdowns. Andy, your host, joined by Jack and Alistair. Boys, it was really good fun getting back in the studio the other night. Looking forward to getting stuck into the defensive position groups and how we think the Chargers will approach this side of the ball in the upcoming draft. Uh, how are you both doing? Good, mate. Fantastic, Thank man. you. Too much of a good excited. thing. I love Two it. shows in three days. Let's get it. Yeah, how good. Guys, uh, listeners out there, if you haven't seen our show on the offense, be sure to check it out. Um, the way that we're breaking down these prospects is a little bit different. Uh, it's through five different kind of markers, uh, those being the TDU tick. Uh, player would be happy with the Chargers drafting. Doesn't necessarily have to be at pick 21, open to our interpretation. The TDU question mark. A uh, player that you have concerns about or doubts about the Chargers drafting might be a poor scheme fit or you think there's too much bust potential. I love you, man. A player you've fallen in love with throughout the scouting process. Uh, you might want the Chargers to draft this guy or just track how his career goes. And uh, The Chargers favourite. We did start this out as Telesco's favourite, but we're opening it up to a player who Telesco or Staley might have high in their sights, as it is Staley's defence. And the TDU sleeper, the diamond in the rough or later round option that has caught your eye. Now, guys, as always, thanks so much for tuning in and joining our discussion. Uh, please take the time to give the show a like if you're enjoying what we're doing and subscribe to the channel as we embark on season 2023. All right. First off, the uh, first cab off the rank is the defensive line. We're going to look at both the edge and the interior defensive prospects as a whole. Uh, so currently on the roster, we have... Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson returning from injury, Tito Abonia as well on the uh, the injury card at the moment, but getting better. Morgan Fox resigning, Christopher Hinton and David Moa, the depth pieces, the edge, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, Chris Rumpf, Ty Shelby and Carlo Kemp at the current point in time. Uh, we saw uh, a lot of excitement and then a lot of uh, sort of concern with Joey Bosa missing big chunks of the year um we had uh great output late in the year from Kyle Van Noy who we expect to no longer be with the team um as free agency rolls on uh Jack what really uh sort of caught your eye with this group throughout the season and how do you think Telesco and Staley are going to approach the defensive line in the draft Radio, like with uh, with what I did with the offense, I've got a couple of categories uh, and things that I was thinking about when drafting edge and defensive line players. And my first one... The teaching rubric. Yeah, my, yes. my little rubric. Uh, and also, I'm an English teacher, which means I do like to rhyme. Oh, so, yeah. so the first one, uh, stop the run or your shark chum. Okay, so with our run defense still not being 
particularly amazing over the last couple of years. It's been a bugbear of not only fans, but I'm sure inside the organization, it's been highly, highly annoying. So I was looking at players that can fill gaps, uh, set the edge and let the second level players uh, be able to play with their speed and power. The next sort of little category I've got uh, that maybe Staley and Telesco be looking at is citizen discipline. You know, I think personal stats are great, um, but I think we look for team first players who don't sell out for the pass rush at the detriment of playing as a team. <coughs> Joey Bosa, that can happen at times. Staley should be looking for his guy, both play style and personality. I'm thinking someone like a Khalil Mack uh, to lead the defensive unit at the point of attack in years to come because we could be looking at a team without Mack and Bosa uh, in 2024. The next criteria is called elegant edge development. You know, we've got to be happy with one or these two players being starters in 2024, if not playing bulk snaps in 2023. One of both, as I mentioned before, one of both Bosa and Mack will not be there, perhaps due to salary cap issues. Is this draft pick a quick developer? Can they learn from two of the best in the business? And how adaptable is this player being used in specific sets? And my last one, my last little uh, criteria here, um, generally more for the de for the interior defensive line is agile anterior interior combustion disruption. Come on, baby, can we generate <laughs> disruption? Say that five times <laughs> yeah. quickly. Can we generate more disruption in the middle of the defensive line? I think that's what I'm definitely looking for. Can we generate push up the middle uh, to force the opposition RBs into the arms of our waiting edge defenders and linebackers? You know, can the players at DT combined to Together, can we get three or four players that can generate some of the production that Donald did for Staley's scheme? So with, the, does anyone have any comments on that before we jump into the first TDU tick? Sound all right? No, I just, I think you make a really good point. This, the edge position is financially tied up similarly, or almost exactly the same to how the wide receiver position is tied up. So you are planning on, you do need a depth piece at the moment, but you need to look to the future um, for a starting role. So yeah, really worthwhile that you pointed that out yeah and that's a great segue because my tdu tick this is uh i had so many i'm a defensive line i love it uh but my first one maybe a little bit out of left field i don't know I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide whether it's out of left field but my tdu tick starting at the edge i also absolutely love nolan smith out of georgia I absolutely yes, love him. Correct. I think he's a two-year starter. He played what they call the Jack linebacker position in um, Kirby Smart's three-three-five base scheme. Um, you know, he never reached four sacks in any of his four seasons, but he did an interview uh, with Bucky Brooks, and he's been interviewed. I've heard him a couple of times. The way that he describes why he didn't get sacks is because I'm versatile. I was asked to drop back in coverage. I was playing up and down the line. I was doing what my team needed to do to win. And that's what I love to hear. The guy's an athletic freak, right, as well. His 40 time is in the 99th percentile. He's faster than some cornerbacks. His vertical jump was in mm. the 99th percentile. His 10-yard 10, his 10 split was in the 95th. His broad jump is above the 95th. His wingspan is huge. His height, weight, and hand and arm are all kind of middling or low. But this guy yep. is, I think he's a great scheme fit in a 3-4 as an outside linebacker. And he plays team first defense. I love him. Um, and I think yep. hopefully because he's got this attitude of openness and wanting to learn, he'll learn from Bosa and Mac in this next 14 months. 
hopefully he's a he's a starter and maybe even a Pro Bowl player in years to come. Nolan Smith, I love you, man, but TDU tick at twenty one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you've <clears throat> you've um, I'll, I'm uh, you're chomping at the bit to jump in. So have at. No, please, mate. Go oh, for I it. was just look. You've pretty much got my my notes on him. Uh, Word for word, it's just whether or not his size can actually translate into playing that in the spot. Um, but look, yeah. favors the scheme, uh, really impressive um, mentality um, and work ethic, uh, efficient in his pass rush when he does, healthy win rate, handy all round, and just love the energy and the attitude. Al? Uh, we've all got him as a tick, and... I think he strikes that balance that Jack spoke about of being able to help immediately this year, but also develop and then become the kind of key guy the year after. He's as inspirational a speaker as really you get from this class of prospects. Loves the game, absolutely adores it. He seems like the type who'd even play it for free, right? And he was was the number one recruit nationally in the 2019 class, ahead of Thibodeau, ahead of Stingley. So he was the number one high school player in the USA across all positions. And like Jack said, you look at his production and think, why didn't he have more sacks? But this is the same conversation around Trayvon Walker last year, where the Georgia defense doesn't necessarily allow its edge players to go hunting. And if you actually break it down, when he was asked to rush the passer, Nolan Smith had an elite 25.5% pass rush win rate. That's up there with Miles Garrett and all the really good edge rushes. And he uses that speed, Jack said. But he's also stout against the run. He plays the run well for a guy who's undersized. So... I'd happily take that pick. The one question mark is he did have a pectoral injury that um, occurred in against Florida last year, required surgery, ended his season after week eight. So he is recovering from a torn pec, but putting that to one side, as long as our doctors give him the tick, um, he gets my tick too. Superstar. Yeah, player. I mean, just to, just to round it off, he's quite enigmatic because watching the tape and you look at how much he weighs, you'd think he'd be a better pass rusher than he is at setting the edge, but it's actually the the opposite. You know, he's actually fantastic at setting the edge. He's got real strength at point of contact and doesn't actually get moved off the spot. It's where it's his pass rushing that needs a little bit of work. So I see that as perfect given my criteria before because we want a guy that can set the edge and why not learn? techniques off two of the best pass rushers in the game so not only i think is he a scheme fit he's a personality fit but he's he's got those intangibles as well um awesome staley is going to love this guy the question is is, will it will he be there at 21 that's the the thing i don't think i think he goes in the top 15 and georgia bulldogs it's the it's the kirby loves it yeah all right jack question mark time Again, I get really worried when I do this after my after the first one where you really threw me with my question about Alistair. But uh, I am actually going to say Brian Brise. Is it Brian Brise? Brise, whatever his name is. So yeah, Brise. 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 Um, he just physic physically physicality. He's an enigma. I'd, when you look at his um, radar chart of where he ranks, his bench is in the 17th percentile for a de- defensive lineman. He's fast. His 40-yard is in the 93rd. His, his shuttle run is fast, but his weight is in the thir- is in the 30th percentile. His arms are in the 30th percentile. His wingspan is in the 30th percentile. I just mm. don't understand how this guy will go at the NFL level given these physical um, attributes. 
he's a three-year starter at Clemson. You know, he is a three technique. He's a big guy. Um, he's powerfully built and gifted, but I just don't see the translation in the first year. Perhaps give him three, four years to develop his body and develop his technique. I think, you know, he could be um, uh, a, a real a real force. But yeah, first, first round pick or second round, not that he's going to make the second round, but I would really question that we take him at 21 because he's also got a medical designation and injury background, which is a bit iffy. So Brian Brise is my question mark at uh, if the charges were to pick him at 21. It is almost as if, and I'll jump in here, Andy, because I've got the same guy. It's almost as if we've um, shared notes before the show, yeah. which we haven't, listeners. But Brzee and Tyree Wilson are two of my question marks. Ooh. On Brzee, we just spoke about Nolan Smith as the 2019 number one overall recruit. Brzee was the same thing in 2020. So again, best high school footballer in the United States. But what I saw from him was kind of this concerning lack of production at Clemson year on year. He never graded... Uh, above in the 70s, uh, bef- never graded more than 73.5 per PFF in a season. Now, you have to say with this guy, he had some awful things happen to yeah. him. His 15-year-old sister died of brain cancer during the season last year, and he's had a combination of shoulder injuries. He had a kidney infection. infection. He's really beloved by the Clemson ACL staff. He seems well. like a great guy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In, in 2021. So he wins with explosiveness. Like he's very dangerous on twists and stunts. You can see he has it in his body because he is a really explosive guy. He had the second fastest 10 yard split. So he can get off the line, doesn't really use his hands. So yeah, question mark for me, uh, him as well. And same goes for Tyree Wilson. I don't think he will be there. So it's not worth diving in, but it's a similar um, prospect who's maybe athleticism belies the actual production and just for the listeners I tend to have somewhat of a bias for players who played at an elite level at college I see that easier to translate the safer pick perhaps for where the charges are right now in the Super Bowl window guys like Brzee and Tyree Wilson I think they're a work in progress they may have it in their body but they're not the right fit in my opinion for the charges right now yeah cool um, my TDU question mark, a little bit different in the second round is taking Tuli Tui Pelotu. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I just think he's, it's for me, honestly, uh, he's just such an inconsistent tackler mm-hmm. and his 31.4% miss rate in 2022 stuck out like dog, dog's balls. Um, mm. I think he, he really shows flashes of being versatile, but also just being a tweener. Um, and I think there's... Potential cons- like um, desperation that could strike the charges in the second round to uh, to want to take this guy when I think it's just too much boom, uh, too much bust over boom, in my opinion. Jack, do you want to get onto the I love your man? I think we might all have the same player here. I have a feeling, and uh, that is Kalijah Cansey, the Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh guy who could look like Aaron Donald. And on that, I won't get into any of the draft background, but I just want to give the listeners some numbers if they're not aware. We all know Aaron Donald is arguably the greatest or if not the top three defensive player of all time. And if we have a look at the measurables between both of them, and it's very close, and this has been done to death, but as an exercise on the TDU, it's always a bit of fun. So if we look at Kansi, he's six, he's six one. Aaron Donald was six one. Kansi's weight is was 281. 
Aaron Donald, 285. The arm length, uh, Kansi is 30 inches and 5 eighths. Donald is 32 and 5 eighths. And that's the big one there, that, that lack of leverage. The hand is also um, is, is also slightly different. But if you look at their, the 40-yard dash, Donald was 468. Kansi was 467. The 10 yard split was 163 for Kansi, one six, uh, sorry, and 164. Sorry, 164 for Kansi, 163 for uh, Donald. Vertical jump Crazy. is pretty much the same. The broad jump, pretty much the same. It, the, the, the measurables are all similar. So the reason why I love him is because I think he's going to be really fun to watch as his development. I don't think he's at Donald's level as a pro prospect, but the parallels are encouraging. And I think he's going to be a really fun starting three technique. Uh, I love him. I think he's a great guy. I just, I, you know, any chance you can get to replicate Aaron Donald um, is a bit of fun, but maybe that pressure is, a, is going to be far yeah. too much on him. Uh, and, that, and same college, of course, exactly. right? So it's just so obvious, but it's that strength profile. I think, like you said, maybe don't expect the same huge... Um, achievements, how could you, right? But I tell you what, I see Kalijah Kansi doing the cross-chop move (laughs) just like Donald did. And you think defensive tackles aren't meant to do that. His his pass rush game is really well-developed and that first step quickness is the most fun watch in this class. Um, I had him actually in the TDU tick category earlier. So Uh, so would we feel comfortable with him at pick 21 for the Chargers, do you think that's a present need, that explosive three-tech in our scheme? It would oh. be really fun. It would be really, really fun. Mm. It's a luxury pick, though, I have. I, I feel. It's a luxury pick. He's a, he's yep. Kalaja Kansi's a guy I've, I had in TDU tick. Um, I love you, man, and Chargers' favourite for obvious reasons. I yep. just think Staley will go, this guy could be Aaron Donald. Um, and he managed a 91.9 uh, grade from 300 and just under 360 snaps in the B gap. So even if he does lack leverage with his size, he's so fast yeah. and he's so quick off the step. His win, his pass rush win rate was 22.2%. So there's just so much potential. Even if he starts off as a designated pass rusher, he can learn his run defense craft from the likes of Bosa and Mack. I just mm. see there being so much value. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be happy. I don't think he'll fall to 121. I think another team will... Take a flyer on him. Um, you can see how scared offensive linemen are immediately off the correct. snap. They're already on the yep. back foot. It's so good. Oh, it's and the thing is, when you put awesome. when you put um, Kalija Kansi, you know, on a graph between their forty time versus their weight, he sits right in the middle of the top sort of twelve defensive line prospects. You've got Byron Young, who's you know quite mm. quite slight at two fifty, and he's running close to a four four. And then at the other end, you've got Jalen Carter, who's running close to a five second forty, but he's weighing in at about three fifteen. Between all these groups mm. of players on this chart, Kalija Kansi sits right in the middle with quite a bit of separation between them. So what that tells me is that either he can get faster or he can get heavier and he's not going to lose out on one of them. So if he gets faster, he's probably not going to lose too much weight, but if he puts on weight, I don't think he's going to lose a lot of speed. And that when well when said. when I look at that, I think that's where the benefit is going to be in taking this guy. Will he be a day one starter that's going to disrupt? I don't think so. But give him two years in a pro system with a pro weight program uh, and and with and technicians and teachers and coaches, I think he's going to be very disruptive whichever way he goes. Although, 
I do think immediately he could bring some impact on third down sub yeah, in sub packages. I, I, think, yeah. I wouldn't draft him if I didn't think he could help at all in year one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, do you want to jump to your I love you men or man, Andy, before I share mine? Yeah, well, I guess collages. Or is it Cansey? Cansey's number one, but I do have like a, a bit of a shout out. I think he'll he'll go in the first as well. Is Lucas Van Ness from Iowa? Um, mm. He's just mm-hmm. a he's a mountain man, six five, two seventy two, thirty four inch arms. Um, he's a big reason why the Hawkeyes defense was so dominant this year. Uh, his power and his pass rush ability. 46 pressures and nine sacks. Bit of an unrefined uh, repertoire. Um, but, uh, look, he's well-rounded as well. Um, posted an 80.9 grade in, in against the run. So, interested to see who picks him up, where he, he lands, and um, how he moves into the into the pros. That's weird because my I actually had him. I was tossing and turning between him and Brzee in my... Uh, question mark because mm-hmm. yeah, right. okay. yeah I, don't, I don't know there's something about Van Ness that is when I look at him I go <laughs> white pass rusher is he a worker and I go immediately go Aiden Hutchinson you know is he a Aiden Hutchinson I think Hutchinson was a far better prospect had far more technique um, uh, but Van and experience. and experience Van Ness is more your raw pure um, athlete uh, the pass rushing is not amazing he's got an amazing ball rush as you just mm. uh, simulated Alistair but yeah Van Ness is a that that I would not be happy if the Chargers took Van Ness personally. Uh, interesting, but yeah, he's 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 a good fun. That'll be a fun watch. Yeah, I'm going to mention two edge players and probably two guys around the second round. Hopefully, one of the two could make it to the Chargers' second round pick. And I, it depends if the Chargers are looking for a bendy guy or a power guy. If they're looking for a bendy guy, I really love B.J. Ojolari from LSU, yeah. the younger brother of Aziz. Still a young buck, 21 years old, has long 34 and a quarter inch arms. He managed to have 21 sacks for LSU and very consistent PFF grading. Pretty good against um, the run in his own way, but he does need to work on that strength profile and spend time in the weight room. So that is not his skill set. He's probably a more advanced Chris Rumpf. You can see he probably has the best pass rush moves of the entire class. He's got a club rip. He does that Von Miller ghost move where you fake inside and then dip underneath the outside shoulder. And I've even seen a spin move. So he's he's a guy I would be interested in in the second round. He's voted a team captain in 2022. The area scouts rave about the way he was raised and he's got NFL pedigree with his brother. If they're looking for a more power rusher, Felix Anadike Uzoma from Kansas State is the guy I like. I've got a feeling Kansas City is going to be all over this guy because he went to high school in Kansas City. He's met with them multiple times, Big 12, but he's a bit more solid. So he's six foot three, 255 pounds. Um, he plays more with power, kind of at that five technique spot on the outside shoulder of the tackle. Good more on your inside move and stunts, but he's also got long enough arms to use a push and pull move. So I think he's a bit more like your Joey Boza relentless motor type of player who's just an animalistic kind of player. You need to be aware that he's got quite an annoying sack dance that he does every time he, he gets a sack. And he's had 20, 21 of them in the last two years. He kind of does this thing like that for the people on uh, YouTube, which I got sick of after about, you know, 30 seconds. Um, but it was a good combine interview. He, he actually went into quite specific detail about how he tries to feel 
his offensive lineman out. So he says he tries to win with power first to see if that guy's weak or not. Um, He likes to start with his long arm move and then he adjusts accordingly. And he says he spends his week studying the tape to determine what moves would work best about that specific opponent. Seemed like a likable guy. So they're my two I love you men. It just depends what kind of edge you want. I I love that. How fun is it when you hear a prospect or a player talking about the methodology they go through Mm. during a game. It's Mm. not just pass, rush, pass, rush. It's fun when they have something sensible to say. Yeah, and like, I'm just going to (laughs) work hard and get my sack. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to try this one here and then my next one, I'm going to try that. Almost like Shane Warne when he's, you know, bowling or when he Mm. was bowling, I say RIP, you know, very, very smart operators. Yeah. Uh, I've gone with a Telesco favourite for this next one, not a Staley favourite. Because I think uh, Jerry Tillery, I think of pass rushes, I looked for a guy that maybe had similar sort of traits, and that's Zach Harrison from Ohio okay. State, 6'5", 275, so I'd say a little bit undersized maybe for an interior defensive line, uh, but he can perhaps play the edge. Um, you look at his measurables and his wingspan is huge. His arms are very long, those very long levers that Jer- Jerry Tillery had. Uh, but again, you know, kind of weird when it comes to, to, to height and weight and strength. So, yeah, this is a negative for me. I, I, I think mm. Harrison's pass rush and his edge setting are, are really need a lot of work. He has this linearity uh, to him and he's got length and he can get up the field. He's got a maybe more quickness than Tillery had. Um, but yeah, I, I I would stay well away personally from, from him in our current scheme. So that's the, it's it's a negative for this one. Um, yeah, not 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 a favorite of mine. Yeah. Well Telesco favourites usually are, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, kind of how I interpret it in the end of the day, actually. I was like, Telesco favourites, oh like and I look for the negative. It's gonna be a bad the negative thing. ones. <laughs> yeah, which is quite You correlate nice. it with the TDU question mark. What yeah, correct. Is piss correct. Me off. correct. Yeah. Oh, fair play. Well we just uh, we've discussed my uh, my three guys that I had slotted in, so okay. over to you, Al. I, I ha I, I had Tuli Tui Pelotu as a Telesco favourite actually. And because I see for the reasons Jack gave. Also, firstly, I don't want to sell Tui Pelo too short because he he's so young. He's only 20 and a half. So that's as young as you really get as a prospect. And last year for USC, he was the captain of the defense. He did have 58 total pressures, 13 and a half sacks, and was the Pac-12 defensive player of the year. So there's stuff to work with there. Uh, and I think... Telesco will like him for all of those reasons. His first cousin's Talanoa Hufunga. Mm. His older brother, Marlon, plays for the Eagles. And the three of them were all on the USC defense in 2020. So, you know, Chenna was a USC edge rusher. There's that connection. Young, we can give him a year to develop behind Mac and Boza. He's a high character guy. I can just see that being the pick in the second round. Or the third if he's there. So I think he's going to be a... Telesco more so than a Staley favourite. Cool. Yeah. Look, yeah, don't get me wrong. Uh, Tui Peloto has, like, size. I just don't think he ever really plays up to it. Mm. Um, yeah. And he's just Tongan like, as well, Jack. Bit, you, 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 love, you love the Islander backgrounds. Oh, don't get me started because that, that's a great 
intro oh. to uh, my TDU sleepers. All right, now we're getting into the big men. This is what I like, the big, the big boys. So my first TDU sleeper, I've been on him for a long time. Actually, both these guys for a while. <laughs> They've been in my mock drafts in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. But my first one is Siaki. Siaki. Iga. Middle name is really... Just knew that was coming. Middle, just middle name is really key here. Apu is a good one. Two-year starter at Baylor. Lined up at nose tackle in Aranda's hybrid 335. So he's got experience with a hybrid style uh, defensive scheme. He played multiple techniques. One, two inside and three. Uh, won the national championship at LSU as a freshman. Uh, Aranda moved to Baylor, um, and so Siaki followed him, earned Big 12, uh, all Big 12 honors each of his last two seasons. To be honest, when I read his draft profile, I think of myself. So he's light-footed, short area explosiveness, fantastic hand usage. Um, you know, he is a nimble, disruptive big man with stout, powerful traits. Uh, I love him. He's toolsy. He can do all sorts of things. He's a big, big boy at 335 pounds at about 6'2". Uh, I think he's got quite a high floor um, and I think he's a really good early down nose tackle. I love him. Uh, my, uh, my other guy is Gervin Dexter from Florida. 310, mm. I really like him. Uh, I think he might be available to us in the later rounds as well. He's a three technique defensive tackle. Um, he was in a Sean Spencer's four man front. So that scheme is not necessarily aligning with what Staley does. Um, he did give up on football, funnily enough, to focus on basketball. Um, shades of Trey Pipkins. You know, we love players, or Telesco loves players that have agile footwork. But Gervin Dex is my other one, my other sleeper. Two big men to round out my defensive line. Cool. Um, I deliberated a lot on a TDU sleeper, but I landed on Dylan Horton from the TCU Horn Frogs. Nice. Uh, oh. 6'4", 257, projected into the sixth round. Um, but look, decent, decent length, 80 inch wingspan. He led the big 12 in sacks with 10 and had 14 and a half tackles for loss, uh, after leading his team in sacks for sacks in 2021 with, with just four. So he, he really showed a lot of improvement, uh, in 2022, split his reps at four, I five and three tech in Joe Gillespie's three, three, five. Um, and that helped the frogs to a 13 and two season last year. Big year. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> shined, of course, against Michigan in the college football playoffs. I do remember. I actually watched that game and had four sacks. Um, very Ooh. impressive. Uh, look, I think the knocks on this guy are relative to him honing his craft, diversifying his arsenal and executing. But I think they're all things, you know, if you're taking a guy in the sixth round, they're things that he can sort of excel at under the tutelage of the current stocks. Um, his scheme versatile, position versatile. And he's steady with his um, run defending skills. So wouldn't be a, a bad one in my eyes. Never heard of him, Andy. So you've just you you've go. gone Bruce McAvaney on me. Love it. Um, two yeah, that'll, quick that'll ones. What, <laughs> <laughs> Google that guy. For the US listeners. Um, one defensive tackle type, Keandre Coburn for the Texas yeah. Longhorns. Like him a lot. He's six foot two, three hundred and thirty-two pounds. Played high school football in Houston with Ed Oliver from the Buffalo Bills, who he looks up to like a big brother role model. He was a four-star recruit out of high school, born in LA, and he was just a kind of picture of consistency for the Longhorns. He started 44, 45 games in four seasons, so he's durable. 
and he finally broke out and showed some pass rush ability this year where he had four sacks and 31 total pressures and in the previous years he'd done none of that stuff so I feel like he's a guy who's growing into his body he's building he's got an impressive get off for a defensive tackle um, I see some inconsistent effort there, so I do think he's probably a two-down lineman at the next level. But in a 3-4 scheme, you need to have someone who's capable of playing the zero technique or the one. And with Tito's injuries, if this guy's there on day three, Keandre Coburn, Coburn is a name to watch. And then very quickly on the edge, there's a Louisville undersized pass rusher called Yaya Diaby. Yeah, and he's, like he's older, he's 24, but he's just shown enough with the second fastest 10 yard split at the combine and this kind of freakish quickness off the snap that he might be worth having a go with. He could be very effect effective on twists and games. Kind of think of a guy who needs to add weight because he's only 263 pounds, a bit like a Chris Rumpf-esque developmental player, but with perhaps better overall traits. So Yaya Diaby from Louisville to close out the defensive lineman. Nice one. Cool. Yeah, some good names in there. Um, I do expect the Chargers to go after that position at some point, um, just to look towards the future. Uh, all right. Andy, can I ask one quick question before we move on to the linebackers? Because yeah, a name yeah. that fans are linking to the Chargers and we didn't discuss is Miles Murphy, the Clemson edge. Mm. Um, does anyone have an opinion on Miles Murphy or thinks that he could fit the bill? Uh, look, he's, he's a freak of an athlete, isn't he? Um, if he can, he, if he can put those physical traits into like together into, um, a pass rush ability, then he'd have a destructive professional career, but it's, I don't know, for me, it's, it's an interesting one because it's traits over production. Um, yeah. 96 total pressures and 20 sacks in his career, uh, with Clemson, Three but years, he, yeah. um, he never really seemed to get better after his first year. Uh, yeah, who's coaching defensive line at Clemson? It's the same for Brazil. It's the same for KJ Henry. These guys just didn't develop. And he was another five-star recruit in mm. high school. So where's the year-on-year -year improvement? Yeah, so, I don't so know. He's, he's clearly got the ability, but uh, mm. when your production diminishes, was he playing injured or um, is it just, I don't know, his lack of pass rush planning, poor leverage that gets him sort of found out once they get a bit of tape on him? Um, I, I look at 6'4", 268, and I looked at him, I did have a look at him, but... Still 21. He's young, but I mean, he played in a, what are you, he played in a, um, in a four, in a four-man front, I'm pretty sure he did at Clemson. Yep. Yeah, so like base yep. end, you know, he could, he projects as a, as an end in a four, uh, in a four-end, a four-man front, so I didn't put him in purely because of scheme fit so yeah i think yeah. i had him closer he was actually sort of a, a wishy-washy question mark for me yeah just yeah that's scheme fit I, i've got him as a tdu tick to be honest if in a trade down scenario mm. i'd have a soft tick for him around pick 27 28 because i do think he'd be good against the run because he's big and strong he really can win with power against nfl quality offensive tackles i think so soft tick, but some some Chargers fans say, you know, Miles Murphy's our guy at twenty one. So I just wanted to address that before yeah. we moved. Not yeah, my cool. yeah, not my kettle of fish personally, but that's all right. Yeah, Jack, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Ada Tamimwa at a mm. at a uh, I was expecting a, a similar kind of guttural entrance. No, Siaki Apu Ike is is my guy. That's is my your guy. boy? It's more that's fun fair. to say. That's yeah, fair. yeah, especially that you found out his middle name. Just went that extra. 
extra bit. All right, onto the linebackers. <laughs> um, we're still kind of licking our wounds with Tranquil departing over to the Queefs, but uh, we'll move forward. Um, Eric Kendricks comes in, Kenneth Murray, <clears throat> Damon Lloyd, Tyreek Maddox-Williams, Nick Neiman, and Amen Ogbongamiga are the stocks that the Chargers currently possess. Um, we get a little bit of sort of leadership and depth with Eric Kendricks coming in, a bit more run defense security. Um, whether we need more of a true blitzing linebacker or someone who possesses that craft could be an argument. Um, we really need to, as a complete defense, but in, especially in the middle of the field, is shore up our tackling deficiencies. So mm. I think, for me personally, blitzing and tackling are crucial uh, keys in selecting a linebacker. Al, what do you think, mate? I think the Chargers are going to have to draft a linebacker. What happens if Eric Kendricks gets injured for the year in week They're one? They're screwed. Absolutely screwed. So they've forced them. I guess it's not the worst position to be in this kind of spot for, but I think they're going to have to address linebacker, hopefully not early, but I don't think it can be later than round four because they might be required to play. Mm. So they, they have to be more than just completely developmental. I find linebacker the most difficult, frustrating position in the NFL and in college to think about at the moment. Out of the college game, you're getting all of these super athletes who are, you know, 230 pounds, who don't really do any linebacker stuff. They don't diagnose, they don't play the run, um, they don't have sound gap um, technique. They're kind of almost used as these edge rushers who just kind of look and react. They're read and react linebackers who don't play with much anticipation. And then lo and behold, so many busts taken in the first round at linebacker in the last few years. It just <laughs> takes them a long time to learn the NFL game with all of the stress that offensive coordinators are putting on linebackers in the RPO game. It's just an incredibly hard position to play. And frankly, this looks like a pretty poor linebacker class. Having gone through the prospects, there's not a lot to really work through and not a lot to like. So let's let's dive into it, Andy, with... Um, a TDU tick, anyone? Jackie, go. Yeah, I, I just to add on to that, Alistair, and I guess what mm, we'd mm. be looking for at if we were to draft one in the first or second or third rounds, let's look at the situation where it stands from a personnel and personality point of view is that I've sort of had my one little criteria for this was heliocentric Kendricks or refine with K9. So, I have a feeling that Kendricks has been hired to really teach Kenneth Murray, to really take him under his wing. They seem to be really tight in the mm. off-field. They seem to share a couple of interests. They kind of are similar in terms of their traits. So what I'd be looking for from a personality standpoint is someone that could that can play and not feel left out between Kendricks and K9. There's something weird that goes on with Kenneth Murray seeing so much of the field, whether it's Telesco or it's, he's a Spanos um, love. I'll put him on, put him on to make to kind of justify why they moved up to grab him. So we've got to find a guy, traits aside, personality-wise, that is very happy to play and maybe perhaps be slightly on the outside. So my first mm -hmm. TDU tick, I love him. Alistair, you might have it too. We've talked about him. 
Namesake is a big thing, but it's Jack Campbell out of Iowa. 6'4", 250 pounds, two-year starter. He's a Mike linebacker in Parker's 4-3 base scheme. Um, he the, the head coach, Kirk Ferentz, did want him to move him to defensive end because he's got that size. But Jack Campbell pushed to stay linebacker, averaging 10 tackles in his 27 starts and became the first Hawkeyes player to win the Buckus Award, which is the nation's top linebacker. So that, to me, shows a guy who's very confident confident who he is. When you hear him speak, he's a leader. Um, and I think whilst he's inconsistent as a bit of a thumper, Alistair, you said he's got athleticism, he's got some intangibles, and I think he'll be a really good, I'm not saying elite or pro bowl, but I think he'll be a good starting NFL linebacker due to the due to just some of his um, physical traits, but also some of those intangibles. So Jack Campbell's my yeah. TDU tick. I really like him. Same. I don't have him as a tick because I don't have any linebacker as a tick for the first round. However, I have him as an I love you man. So why don't we just continue to talk about him for a little bit? Yeah. As you said, Jack, he also won the William V. Campbell Trophy, which is the academic Heisman. So, and I thought he was one of the only linebackers I watched who plays the position properly. Yeah. Yeah. He's patient in his run fits. He reads and reacts. With his wingspan, he's long enough also to impact the game in coverage. You see he had this beautiful interception of CJ Stroud where he's really playing a variation of Tampa 2. He's just long enough to get back in that passing lane over the middle with his six foot five kind of length and range. I think sideline to sideline speed is going to be a problem for him at the next level, just being that big and, dare I say it, being white. I think he's going to struggle to, to really do some of that stuff. But if you look at fit for the Chargers, uh, I think he will be a good run defender from day one just because of the way he plays the game. And obviously with the 32nd ranked run defense, that is something the Chargers need to address. I just don't think, unfortunately, this will happen because it's questionable whether he'll be there when the Chargers draft in the second round. And even if he is, that might be a bit early for the Chargers to take a linebacker. But like you, Jack, can't wait to see what he does at NFL level. He's just a fun player. And he could have played Div 1 basketball as well. So super talented player. Yeah. Um, Similar to you, Al, I don't have a tick. And I was being quite stubborn and just saying that I don't Mm. have a tick at 121. I'm once bitten, twice shy with Kenneth Murray being selected a few years ago in the first round. So... um, yeah, that's almost my TDU question mark is the Chargers just selecting any linebacker at 21. <laughs> um, Jack, what have you got? Uh, I guess I would not want this to be this guy to be picked up by us, but I went with a question mark overall, and that's Diane Henley from Washington State. Um, okay. He's got an amazing background. I think the one thing that stood out for me, his father is a well-known music executive who has worked with famous artists like Snoop Dogg and the late Nipsey Hussle. Um, The former kingpin of a violent gang, Eugene, this is his father, was sentenced to 23 years in prison, served 12 years um, for attempting to steal 33 pounds of cocaine from an undercover police officer in 1992. Um, Wow. But now uh, Diane's father, released in prison 2004, now runs a non-for-profit organisation called Developing Options uh, to help put youth on the path to success. So really interesting background story uh, and incredible that he's made it um, to play in the NFL but he's an inconsistent blitzer. blitzer. His pass rush is not great. Uh, I just wonder whether he is actually... I mean, he's projected as a first or second round um, and he's only been playing linebacker since 2020. Alistair, you said before, 
linebacker is a position that you need experience in. I really wonder whether he's going to be a starting in his first year linebacker. I don't think he is. Um, he played another position, didn't yeah, he, before he moved to linebacker? I've actually got um, Dan Henley as a uh, He might have played quarterback. Um, quarterback in Los as, Angeles, yeah. yeah. And he played wide receiver. I love so you, man. Yeah. He, started, he was a starting quarterback for Crenshaw High School. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the, the sitcom um, or the show All-American, but it focuses on a guy that played at Crenshaw High School and I watched it with the, the partner. Um, and yeah, it, it's, you know, went to school in South Central LA. And as you said, Jack, his dad was a bit of a dicey bloke. Um, but he's played almost every position. I find it, I have him as an I love you man, not for the charges to draft. I just find his story really mm. cool. Um, sure. He has athletic tools, just inexperience being his big question mark. Um, four ins in, in 2021, his last year at Nevada, transferred over to Washington and led the team for tackles, tackles for losses and forced fumbles. So, yeah, it could be an interesting one. But he's, yeah, that inexperienced linebacker at 23 as well is not, not the best thing. Not what we want anyway. Mm. No. Do you have a question mark, Andy? Uh, yeah, I sort of, I, I guess, uh, I mean, I, I like the prospect of... Um, Drew Sanders, but not at 121. Um, yep. I think even though this guy's got incredible upside athletically, um, he just reminds me so much of Kenneth Murray, and that's Trenton Simpson. Um, I just I just see him being such a hothead. He, he lacks attributes like diagnostics, discipline. He takes the bait on play action, struggles in coverage. There's too much to yeah, develop, he's an and he's... he's truly a traits pick so he's my question mark maybe in the second round if it if he fell to it or the third for that matter yeah i had the same with trenton simpson from clemson he was a big question mark for me never had more than 51 tackles in a season Mm. uh never had a pff grade above 73.2 he's just not for us he's a kind of ball of clay that you want to sculpt because he's a super athlete and that's not for the charges right now i don't think um but my other question mark is Noah Sewell, the younger brother of Hene uh, from Oregon. I'm a bit worried he might be a Telesco type of guy. I've picked him as my Telesco favourite before. I'll jump onto that. Yeah, please do. He, look, good things first. He does seem like more of your old school linebacker type who actually understands the game a bit. Um, He's six foot one, 246 pounds. So he's built more like a Mike. That's uh, about the only uh, good thing I've, <laughs> I've said, other than he looks like your leader, your vocal leader, kind of patrols the middle of the field. He makes a lot of tackles. Um, but look, I think he makes more tackles than plays. And he is a below NFL level athlete. Like he was, had the fourth slowest 40 yeah, times. Good on the bench pressed but not much of a uh, athlete himself. I think it's very unlikely that this guy has the juice at the NFL level to be a very good player at I, all. I, I would steer clear. I really worry. And again, I've taken the Telesco favorite as being negative. It's this unconscious yeah. kind of bias that I have. Uh, I put Noah Sewell purely because when I read, Sewell is a thick, powerful backer with point of attack strength to fill, stack and strike. I immediately think of Denzel Perryman. That's who I think of, a downhill thumper who does not have reactionary or reactive athleticism, doesn't have play range, is a one-down, two-down linebacker, and does struggle to stay ahead 
of pass plays in particular, but also those stretch running plays. So I, I yeah. really worry about him as a uh, as as a Telesco favourite because I oh he's got pedigree his brother blah, blah, blah. Mm, don't know mm. really really worry really really worry. <laughs> agree one hundred percent and I think he's a Perryman type without actually being as good a prospect as Perryman yeah, was so yeah anyway um, moving on perhaps to a I love you man have you shared yours already Jack uh, I had Drew Sanders actually. Um, oh, yeah, as, nice. as, an, as an I love you, I think he's um, he, he's he's got Arkansas. Yeah, 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 six foot four, um, two three five. He's only a one year starter. He played Mike linebacker there in Barry Odom's four two five base scheme. And he also saw snaps as an edge rusher, so I looked at that adaptability. He can sort of play there if you need to. He's long and lean. Um, he's agile. I think he can sort of play anywhere in that front seven. Um, in, obviously not interior defensive line, but if you wanted to line him up as weak side or strong side or Mike, um, I think he could probably do it. So there's then there's the argument of jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but he is, I think, an ascending playmaker. Uh, and I think he could be that occasional pass rusher that I think will lose with Carl Van Noy. So where are we going to get that production from? That's kind of where I had him. And I, li- I, I liked him because he can sort of, he's a do-it-all. Yeah, Drew Sanders is my guy. Like him as well. I'm pretty sure he was recruited as a fairly Five high star. prospect and played at Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was meant to be an edge. And then good on him. He's gone across and actually had a big final year. So he will probably get drafted pretty high. So I agree. He's pretty variable. Um, do you want to go? I love you, man. Oh, I've, I've done mine. Mine was Diane, cool. Diane Henley. Yes, yes. Um, mine is Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati, just because he's super fun. He's almost like the little engine that could. He is five foot ten, two thirty one pounds, thirty and a quarter inch arms. Small little guy, but T-Rex. he had a ninety three point two overall grade last year because the guy had fifty pressures. And to what you were saying, Andy, if you like a little guy who you just shoot through the gap, yeah. blitzing. That is this guy, and he loves the game. He had nine sacks as a middle linebacker last year, an interception, three force fumbles. Um, yeah, very fun player to watch. He was also the linebacker practice player of the week at the Senior Bowl. So he does all the right stuff. He led it in wrestling in high school, just loves it, just does not have any kind of NFL uh, like attributes yeah. uh, in terms of his size and his weight. But he reminds me of like the Austin Eckler of defense in terms of pound for pound strength and electricity. Mm. So fun player for what to watch maybe rounds four or later. I like Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. Nice. Yeah, cool. Can I go? So let's can, go. Can, are we going sleeper? Are we going? Oh, you've done your favorite, haven't oh, you? I've done so my favorite. Sorry, maybe I I'll just, yeah. Um, yeah. A guy that I see as being, and I know that he's met with the team as well, is Ventrell Miller, Florida. He's like mm-hmm. the oldest man. Um, and this is a similar one. He's, um, it's a negative kind of Telesco one. There's just, he oozes leadership, um, but that's about it. 24 years old. I shouldn't have said he's the oldest guy. <laughs> but um, he just doesn't, he's a guy that just doesn't really do linebacker things. Um, he lacks fluid athleticism. And the range, yeah. and really the range required to play the position. Um, he, he does play with that passion for physicality and toughness. You know that rugged footballer that Staley loves, but he, yeah. he misses reads and he doesn't have the greatest discipline. So it's a negative Telesco favorite for me. But I see him being the the type of guy they bring in. Yeah, and the Chargers have spent quite a bit of time yeah. with him. You know, five seasons for Florida in the SEC. He's got some pedigree to him. I didn't mind his 
tape I look through as much. He's a guy who played through a lot of injuries yeah. at college level, a bit of a medical red flag type. The other guy the Chargers have met with quite a lot is Mahamud Diabate from Utah. And they've met enough now that I think he's a real chance to go as a day three prospect to the Chargers. Families from Mali. He speaks several languages. He's a devout Muslim yeah. and faith is a central part of his daily life, praying multiple times a day. So a bit different from the typical um, NFL prospect. He was he was a big deal in high school. He came out as a five star sorry a four star recruit. He's six foot four, two twenty two. So kind of a bit, bit of a dual position player, a little bit on the edge. Uh, but I look at him and, and at 222 pounds, I really see a guy who's more like a safety than a linebacker. So I just couldn't stop noticing, watching his tape, just how small he is, decent pass rusher, but look like a guy who's really going to struggle at the NFL level, doing much more than playing special teams and being that type of a, you know, third down will linebacker type. So there are a couple of guys I know the Chargers have spoken to. Just be aware of the names, Chargers fans, because they could be picks on day three. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Jack. TDU Sleeper. Sleeper. Yeah, I can go. I've gone with your... What the Chargers have done to Let's Go Stale have done in the last two years is finding absolute athletic animals in the sixth and the seventh. And I've gone Ben Van Sumeren from Michigan State. I'm not sure if you... Have you heard of him, Alistair? Heard the yeah, name, so uh, n listen, he's played all he's played all sorts of uh, positions. He was a he was player of the year when he was in um, high school with eighty five receptions and tackles. So he's played all over it. But when you look at his traits, I looked at and you just go, this guy's six two, and he's how how, how much does he weigh? He's two thirty one. But his 40-yard time is in the 97th percentile. His bench is in the 94th percentile. His vertical jump wow. is in the 99th percentile. His broad jump is in the 99th percentile. His hand size is in 100th percentile. And his wingspan is in the 82nd. This guy Whoa. is just an absolute athletic freak. Uh, I'm not seeing him as a starter. I'm not even really seeing him uh, as playing any meaningful time on the defense, but he is a special teams demon, I have a feeling. In that same vein as Horvath, Nick Neiman, these guys that you bring them into camp because of their traits and maybe they can um, sort of make an impact in that uh, in that silent game, which is the special team. So Ben Van Schumeren is, is my guy from Michigan. Yeah, cool. Um, maybe less, far less of a sleeper uh, than Van Sumeren. Uh, my TDU sleeper is Sir Vossier Dennis, or Vossi. He's uh, a fourth or fifth round projection, six foot, 226. Uh, good diagnostics and good discipline is what I'm saying. Handy arm length makes up for a, a, sort of a lack of size for his position. Um, he's a really solid tackler. He only missed four tackles in 2022. Crazy blitzer. So he sort of fits that tackling, blitzing uh, mold that I'm looking at. 18 sacks in college, uh, but sort of hit and miss it in coverage. Um, bit of starter upside, uh, quite a balanced player. Al? A name uh, lots of Chargers fans are talking about. Dorian Williams out of Tulane. Not going to spend much time on him because other podcasts have covered him to death. Probably a third round type, Dorian Williams. Just be aware. He, he's quite instinctive. Looks like he does a little bit of everything. Played at a lower level um, at Tulane, but 
a good all-around linebacking prospect, particularly in coverage. My sleeper is Demarvian Overshone out of Texas, who's just a lot of fun to watch because another guy who was a safety and wide receiver in high school, he was actually recruited to the college level as a safety. Six foot three, 229 pounds. He's kind of got the perfect physique for the modern day coverage linebacker. Think Fred Warner attributes, but just nowhere near that caliber of a prospect because he didn't quite perform as well over the long stretch for the Texas Longhorns. But in 2022, he had his best season, a 72.2 PFF grade. So I think he's coming into his own, a bit of a see ball, get ball type of linebacker. He's played D-line, slot, in the box. He's even played corner. So if you need a core special teamer, Demarvian Overshone out of Texas. All right. Cool. Linebacker's we'll done. Right over to the defensive backs. And like the defensive line, we're going to look at the cornerbacks and safeties together. Um, Staley's DBs. So at the current point in time, our designated corners, Asante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, JC Jackson. Uh, the DB packet is Josiah Taylor, Dean Leonard, Mark Webb, and Michael Jacket. And then we've got uh, Ian Cayman Hall in there as well. And then the safeties, Derwin James, JT Woods, Aloha Gilman, and Raheem Lane. Losing to see Adderley. Uh, we probably won't see Bryce Callahan come back. So there's a couple of kind of glaring factors for mine. Um, <clears throat> they showed a lot of improvement towards the back half of last year. Final six regular season games, seeing the Chargers defensive unit technically the best in the league in terms of all the main metrics. Um, sure, it wasn't the toughest competition that we'd faced during our schedule, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Uh those performances truly were spectacular. Uh, finally, we saw a bit of that cohesion, Jack, that you love to speak about. Um, the turnovers in the first half of that wild card, and we'll say no more on that one, but it's all very, very promising. Bryce Callahan, he was vital in the slot in 2022 when Asante and Michael Davis had to cover for JC Jackson's poor play and then injury. Um, Jasir Taylor filled that role. Uh, whether he's progressed to a solid starter, that's really yet to be seen. Um, and will JC Jackson return as a shadow even of what he was when he played for the Patriots? Uh, it'd be short-sighted not to address the position on the whim that he'll return to his best after such an injury. Uh, he is working hard in his rehab, which is awesome to see. He wants to be a superstar for the Chargers. Let's just, you know, let's hope he gets there. Um, I think for mine, this position group has uh, a lot of the do and James Rashawn Slater where a star can fall to us at 121. Um, yeah, but, uh, look, you know, I don't think maybe a Witherspoon or a Gonzalez, but there's, there's going to be probably no shortage of possible, uh, stars for us. Um, as far as the safety group goes, the class isn't as strong, but it is sort of deep. Um, and it, you know, Staley loves drafting his DBs. Jack, how do you expect the Chargers to approach this group in the draft? A few things. Ativan for Callahan. And if you don't know what Ativan is, it is a prescription drug sold. Uh, it's a lorazepam and it's a benzodiazepine. It's used to treat anxiety disorders and trouble sleeping. So Ativan for Callahan, you know, with such a, oh, I need with such a solid year uh, from an established <coughs> pro, where do we mimic that production? No, does ASJ move inside permanently and are we looking for an outside corner or are we looking for a slot corner? Um, and, you know, after ASJ's performance with the Jags, is that a waste of talent pushing him? 
him inside. So Adivan for Callahan to be the first one. That's at the top of my list. Next one is a big, bit of a bigger question. Is anyone actually graduating from D- the Staley's vaunted DBU? You know, he's been Staley's been big on the fact that he loves developing DBs, but in reality, can we actually say that so far this first semester has been a bit of a flop? Other than Michael Davis perhaps stepping up and performing above his, uh, you know, GPA and grabbing a diploma because Jackson has, has essentially failed, um, the rest of the class I do still think has really struggled to maintain a good GPA. Uh, even Derwin James, dare I say it struggled to make consistent impacts, even though he's number one ranked and he's an all, he's a pro bowler yeah, and yeah. stuff, but he had the green dot removed from him. So I don't know. It's, it's a bit DBU. There's too much partying going on. I think there's not enough consistency and struggling. <laughs> too, too many, not uh, enough study, not enough too study. many P's get degrees. Hey mate. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you're average, um, stopping the, my, my next one is stopping self-deception concessions on draft night. I look at ASJ, JT Woods, Jasir Taylor, Dean Leonard, Mark Webb, are these guys prototypical DBs? When was the last time we drafted a prototypical DB other than maybe Derwin James? Um, I don't think that we should be looking at these traitsy guys like JT Woods so early on. I think we should be looking to draft more of that prototype. We've tried to get in Jackson, who is your, your prototypical outside corner, but I think we need to stop being uh, self-deceptive or Staley and uh, Telesco need to stop self uh, deceiving themselves. My la- my next one, I got one more, well, two more. Self self esteem is the scheme. You know what will Staley do with his defensive coverages last year? Because he showed throughout last year that he was willing to change it. You know, is it zone to man or man to zone? Pick the player that you think suits, but don't be pre- uh, but be prepared to change up what you're doing based on what the players are good at. And as we saw with the changes, that DB group actually started to make some um, immune roads. My last one, bit of rhyming. Stop being not need, knock need chicken feed tumbleweed. Get some guaranteed air and foot speed. Always look for speed across the ground in later rounds. <laughs> How do you come up with that? Oh, shit? I don't know. I'll just have a bit of fun. So good. Uh, anything to, that's to bath, note? On, that's anything, bath time with Jack. <laughs> anything to note on some of those? <laughs> Preparing to be a girl dad with all the nursery rhymes. Um, No, I mean, you've broken that that down comprehensively. Slightly different um, things that need to be addressed at different spots. I mean, I expect JT Woods is going to get a fair crack at it this year and might need to carry the weight because, you know, after spending a third round pick on safety and already having Derwin in the building and a low he playing all right down the stretch, I just can't see safety being a super early pick as in a traditional free safety deep field type. So I love the way you broke it down, mate. Who do you have as your TDU tick? Uh, I have got Deontay Banks as my TDU pick. I really like him. Uh, What really stood out to me after I read his draft profile and went to look at his tape, uh, a cover and clobber corner. I love it. He's physical. Um, he's got a competitive uh, makeup to him. He's got smooth hips. Uh, he can shadow yep. in man coverage. Um, I think he's got the play style uh, when he develops a little bit more technique to be to be solid. He's got the size, athleticism, and physicality of an NFL starter. Um, I think he projects best as an outside press man cornerback, but he also has some upside in zone coverage as well. 
when you yep. look at his physical physical traits, they're insane. I mean, his forty is fast. His vertical leap is insane. His ten yard split is in the ninetieth. His broad jump is in the 99th. Um, and he's sort of average when it comes to wingspan, arm, hand, weight, and height. So he's got, yep. I think, enough. He'll probably put on a few more pounds and get stronger, but he's not going to lose that speed because he is so athletic. So uh, yeah, I'd be. I just think some of the top the top NCBs won't be there when we pick at twenty one. But Deontay Banks is a I, I really I really liked him. Yeah, soft tick for me as well, Jack. Uh, you said all the good stuff. I think he might be a guy who struggles in year one a little bit, but should have some time to sit and develop and learn with good coaching. Doesn't show much awareness of where the football is. A bit like Michael Davis earlier in his career. Um, it, he struggles to get his head around to the ball and he's a little grabby, very few interceptions or PBUs, but everything else is there. He does have good zone match awareness. I think he'd suit the scheme and maybe work on some of those making plays on the ball. Um, I've got one other clear TDU tick and that is Brian Branch from Alabama, who I think could be almost the one of the best case draft day scenarios if Branch is at 21 or if the team trades down and still lands Branch. I think he is the perfect defensive back in a Staley scheme where he kind of does everything at an elite level other than having somewhat subpar athleticism. He played the star role in Nick Saban's defense at Alabama. So he he played the same role that Minka Fitzpatrick did. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, 190 pounds. This guy missed four tackles in his entire college career. Yeah, ludicrous. Ludicrous. <laughs> not, Dangerous not in blitzer. Mm. Insane. He only had three fewer tackles for loss than Will Anderson did in 2022. <laughs> so this guy played, he played 70% of his career snaps in the slot, but. About 17% in the box, 6% at free safety. There is a bit of a projection there about can he play one of the two safety roles in a hybrid kind of Fangio scheme. I think he's perfect for it. And he saved his best for the last game of his college career. We're in the Sugar Bowl against Kansas State. He had 12 tackles, a sack, an interception, and was the best player in the game. Almost a flawless prospect clear tick for me if Brian Branch is the um, the pick on day day one of the draft. Yeah, um, might lack kind of elite size speed. Uh, I think he runs just a sub 4, 6, 40. But yeah, between him and Deontay uh, Banks, they're my TDU tick. I love you, man, guys. Um, I see true number one potential in Deontay Banks and Brian Branch offers that versatility, played a lot of slot, uh, is that hybrid sort of doesn't always doesn't have to be left as a as a free safety, and that's probably a good thing because he might lack that that speed across the uh, the open yep. field. But um, his mental and physical reaction times, he almost knows what's coming his way. It's mm. it's crazy. He yep. just reads Freak. it, and uh, he's bloody. They're both awesome, awesome to watch. Um, so yeah, they're they're my two guys. Uh, uh, Jack, I, I, your question. Yeah, I really, I really don't think you might, you don't necessarily need to with Derwin James re-signing. I don't think we need a pure free safety either. I think you've, you're probably looking at because Derwin James is so experienced, he's a strong safety that can cover in a single high coverage if he really needs to because he's so good at mm. reading the game. Again, you know, yep. are we trying to look for a guy that supports Derwin James to be the the movable chess piece? Or are we looking for a guy that wants to play alongside Derwin James? Because I think those are two 
different ways of approaching the position? Do you find a guy that covers or does things that Derwin James does not do well? Or do you take the best available player at safety and go, you know what, we're going to change our coverage with our DBs to ensure that we have two playmakers in the middle of the field, whether it's the run or whether it's the pass. So I think that's an interesting, um, I guess, investigation. And it will be fascinating to see who we take because I see Gilman is probably not up to it. And I see JT Woods is more of your speedy guy that, plays to support Derwin James, doesn't play alongside of him. So yeah, interesting kind of um, chess piece and uh, strategy there. Um, question mark. I, I mainly looked at uh, the guys that are projected to go high or to be in that first round, and then I looked at their physical traits. My biggest question mark mm. is, in, is on Devin Witherspoon because the guy mm. just physically... I know that he he's kind of... He actually plays really, really well because he's got immediate yeah, startup potential. Yeah, and he's but I just the the frame is just I really wonder whether he'll be actually be able to play seventeen games and will he be able to tackle as effectively because you're playing against guys that are physically far, far bigger than him. When you look at his uh, physic physical traits, they're all really, really low. They're in they're they're in the bottom fiftieth percentile. So. Um, I think he will be a guaranteed first round selection uh, as I think he is the best natural cover because he plays with his mind. But I do wonder whether the the physical traits project into the NFL. So that listen, I think he's a great player. But when I looked at the question marks, he was the biggest one that I had. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's fair. I see. Um, I, I found it hard to, to narrow it down to one because I, I was starting to look for perfection essentially. And there was everyone I looked at had a trait that, didn't sit well with me that they lacked in. Uh, but a guy that's been um, uh, mocked to the Chargers a fair bit, and he's sort of my Chargers favorite as well, is um, Keely Ringo. Um, really great speed. I'm curious as to the the poor vertical. Um, yeah. But look, he could be, he could end up being, I just, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. I've just got my doubts about him. That's all. Um, I could get into a few other guys like, uh, Hodges Tomlinson as well I see issues with Al have you got a, a glaring one well I, I'm thinking in terms of scheme fit I, I kind of agree with you Keely Ringo these bigger six foot two six foot three press man corners I know he's played more of that because it does suit Davis and JC Jackson but if you look at the way Staley likes to play with that pattern match defense I don't know if he wants too many of these big six foot two hulking guys who just jam you at the line and don't have good ball awareness or be able to kind of um, transition into different coverages. And I think Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State fits that description as a guy who's going to be fantastic playing in a kind of man defense scheme, maybe not for the Chargers. And then another second round guy, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. I'll tell you why I don't think he will be a selection for the Chargers. He started his career in Georgia and firstly, he was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct shortly after enrolling, after allegedly fighting with employees at an Athens bar. Right. And then he had a lot of disagreements with head coach Kirby Smart, who wanted him to play safety or nickel while Stevenson wanted to be a cornerback. So he said, screw you, Georgia, transferred to Miami. He's a Florida guy and had a really good 
end to his career. So he's a lot of, you know, second round, will he slide into the bottom of the first type? Not Brandon Staley when he picks up the phone to Kirby Smart and says, oh, what do you think of this Tyreek mm-hmm. Stevenson bloke? So don't expect the matchup between the Chargers and Tyreek That's Stevenson, a really good I call. suspect. That's a really good call. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh, Jack, you got a yeah, and I got, love you, man, even. Yeah, I've if, got yeah, a couple. Uh, my first one is Julius Brents out of Kansas State. I quite like him. Uh, when you, again, look at his physical traits, he is uh, quite incredible in terms of his height, his vertical. He's quite slow in the 40. Uh, I'm not saying we draft him in the first three rounds, um, but uh, if he's there, I don't know. Could be there. Um, the other one I had is a, is in terms of a safety is Antonio Johnson. Um, which okay. is more of a, if I think about covering for Callahan, Callahan was a very small slot corner. Um, but what stuck out to me when I read PFF's um, analysis on him is he's a, it's this new age of slot cornerbacks in the NFL. He's 6'3", can shut down windows yep. underneath, um, but he's also a bit of an animal in the run game. So again, if you're thinking about a person that plays alongside Derwin James, uh, but maybe just a little more, f- and also and also have a little bit of physicality at the line, which slot cornerbacks sometimes don't. You also think about the tight ends in our division, Travis Kelsey being one. How do we stop him? He's just another one that I thought uh, that's maybe more of a sleeper, perhaps. Um, but his play style is reminiscent of Jamal Adams, and when you can get someone like that on your team, I, I love it. Bit of physicality. So those are my two. Nice. Um, I went through my I love you mans with Banks and uh, Branch. Al, have you got any other ones? You know I do, mate. Uh, <laughs> I've got two I love. First, I won't speak about as much because the second I really want to hammer home. So if we're looking for a safety slash slot, I really like Jatavius Martin from Illinois. His middle name is Quan, so they refer to him as Quan Martin. He was a five-year starter for the Fighting Illinois. Um, Lovey Smith was his coach there who recruited him. He had a fantastic 2022, 91 run defense grade per PFF. He tested as well as any of the safeties. And I went through and watched a 30-minute video that basically showed every play he's made across the five years of his career. And he just does everything really well. He's a heady footballer. Slightly undersized to cover tight ends because he's 5'11", 194. But if you want to sleep a bit better at night with Bryce Callahan out of the building, I think he could play that role. My absolute favorite, and he might be one of my favorite players I've ever watched coming out of college, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. Total outlier because the guy weighs 166 (laughs) pounds, which is 75 kilograms in the metric scale. He would be a first percentile weight as cornerback. So people are writing the guy off. What does he do that special? Uh, Only he's managed to have six career pick sixes, which is the most by any cornerback in the history of college football. He had 14 interceptions, five more than the next closest power five cornerback. And he had 17 pass breakups in his career. He also allowed 14 touchdowns. <laughs> so if you watch this guy, if you watch this guy, and he started his career um, playing basketball, he was a four-star recruit. He has the speed to play at the next level because he ran a 4.35 second 40. So he's the fourth quickest. So imagine this super fast praying mantis who has maybe the best ball skills and anticipation you're likely to see. But in the Marcus Peters mold, he can get hurt on double moves. He might 
bite on a play fake and give up a touchdown over his head. But if you're going to have 14 interceptions, 14 interceptions. The passer rating is 44 when he's targeted. So do yourself a favor, find some highlights of him. He had a wonderful pick six of Will Levis last year. Emmanuel Forbes, I think he would suit a Fangio scheme really well because you don't want him playing close to the line. You don't want him playing press. He'll just get blown off the ball. But if you let him sit back in off coverage and click and close and trigger on the quarterback's eyes, Bye-bye. He'll take it the other way for six points. So, Emmanuel Forbes, I love you, man. Yeah, that weight's so scary, though. 166. Mm. It's fast, crazy though. to think. Very fast. Very fast. Uh, Telesco's uh, right. Staley favourite, I think. I looked at the last time Staley drafted a CB in the early rounds, and that was Asante Samuel. And when I think of Asante Samuel, I think of aggressiveness. I think of feistiness. I think of uh, real... Anger, almost. Uh, and so I've gone DJ Turner from Michigan, who is very, nice. very, plays a very physical brand of football, loves to show off his um, his feistiness, as I mentioned, which can be a detriment at times, which is very similar to Asante Samuel Jr. He can be very physical, almost over-eager, and then gets blown um, out of the water by technique. Uh, the same thing with DJ Turner. Uh, he, with that um, aggressiveness, he can leave him off balance. Um, and out of position to make plays downfield. So that, that to me, is almost like a carbon copy of what Asante Samuel Jr. is. Uh, the only thing is with Turner is that his 40-yard dash is insane. Um, his 10-yard split was insane, and his broad jump was really strong too. And he's got big hands for a, for a DB. So uh, he is my uh, sort of – I reckon they've, they've got him high on their draft boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, – oh. <laughs> Yeah, I've got one Chargers favourite. And this is, again, drawing on the Georgia connection. But if Staley immediately regrets having taken JT Woods and selecting a high traits guy with less kind of uh, instincts for the position, they could go to Chris Smith from Georgia, who within that building was one of the leaders and one of their favourite players. And, you know, he's won two national championships, multiple team captain, teammates call him soldier. But... He also had some of the worst athletic testing among, amongst all of the safeties. His relative athletic score is 1.28 out of 10. <laughs> he ran a 4.6240. So you think this guy actually doesn't move very well at all, but he played over 1,200 snaps at free safety. He had three interceptions in each of the last two years when George won the title. And if you just watch him, he makes some really nice plays for the Bulldogs, never graded below 74. So if they're thinking, we just need a free safety who can play free safety, forget about the traits. Chris Smith, fourth round or later, call up Kirby. Is he good for the locker room? Yes, he is. Let's take him. Yep. Uh, One of mine uh, for a Staley favourite is, we've spoken about him briefly earlier, but is uh, Joey Porter Jr. Just has the the pedigree in him. Um, Massive wingspan. Uh, Look, I just feel like the the guys will have him high on their board, maybe over Deontay Banks. We'll just see what happens when it mm-hmm. falls to it. Uh, Jack, your sleeper. Jacorian Bennett from Maryland. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for someone that Ficken can uh, can develop. It's boring when you say it, right? <laughs> it sounds wrong to me <laughs> it now. It does. Too. It's Ficken, baby. Uh, Jacorian Bennett, he's, a, he's probably got... Um, potential as a gunner in special teams um, and could possibly uh, vie for defensive snaps as a rookie. 
Uh, again, he's that aggressiveness. He's he's in the 98th percentile on his 40 time. Uh, 10 yard splits elite, verticals elite, broad jumps elite. Quite small, uh, but yeah, Chikorian Bennett would be would be fun. So I've sort of, if I go back to my criteria, you know, I've tried to sort of tried to do my best with um, finding those, you know, those chicken feed, not chicken feed, tumbleweed, but air and foot speed uh, in those later rounds. So yeah, there we go, <laughs> Chikorian Bennett. Yeah, nice one. Uh, very quickly, my sleeper is a guy called Jamie Robinson from the Florida State Seminoles, spelled Jamie with a double M, but pronounced Jamie. And again, I was thinking if you're looking to replace Callahan and a guy who's got a chance in the later rounds, this guy played everywhere for Florida State. He played deep in the box, in the slot. Mike Renner from PFF describes him as arguably the most complete safety in the class. He's an easy projection to the NFL with how many hats he's worn in his career. And he plays with that same Asante-esque feistiness that you see with all of these Seminoles, Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James. You watch it and he's doing all of that same stuff. Unfortunately, he's only got 29 and 5 8 inch arms. So they're little T-Rex arms. He's 5 foot 11, 191, and he didn't test very well. So he will well and truly be available on day three. But if you don't want to address safety any earlier than that, Jamie Robinson from Florida State's another name to keep an eye on. Mm, Jamie Robinson. Well, I didn't know it was Jamie, but Jamie Robinson was a guy that I looked at uh, as well. And um, look, there's bound to be a couple of guys that the team's met with that could go in those later rounds. Starling Thomas from UAB, Reese Taylor from Purdue, uh, and Jaden Woodby from Boston College as a potential undrafted free agent. So there we go. That'll wrap up our de uh, defensive position um, uh, breakdowns and uh, you think we'd finish the show there? Of course not. <laughs> what would our draft shows be without Al's Mock Draft? Al's Mock Draft. Football is football, fucker. Gimme, gimme. Alistair is football. I like stats. We are football. This pass rusher is awesome. Could be the next Give Patrick Mahomes. Telesco is dumb. He's lean. Give he's me. got arms. He's got legs. Talk quarterbacks, baby. Gimme, gimme. Jeremiah or Al? You decide, fucker. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely. Ah, uh, that was good. <clears throat> Welcome to Al's mock draft. The second. What's going to become a perennial event for the listeners who are watching on YouTube, you get the benefit of seeing some grade six caliber PowerPoint skills. Uh, that's on your screen. And for the audio listeners, I'm going to do my best. We're going to run through the 32 well, 31 this year picks of round one of the NFL draft. Now, to be clear, this is not what I would do. This is what I think is going to happen. And I'm going to invite the boys to come along for the ride and make some comments. Last year, I got four correct out of 32. So I'm aiming for five this year, just to be, <laughs> to be clear. So with pick one overall of the NFL draft for 2023, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. I know the betting market is roughly split between him or CJ Stroud from Ohio State. I think ultimately that Bryce Young carries the day, the 2021 Heisman Trophy winner. 
lacks the speed and the height and the weight, but has all of those intangibles where he plays his best in must-have-it situations. He's got the off-schedule playmaking ability, and I think this would be the right fit for the Panthers, and I think this is the pick that they will make. Pick two. The Houston Texans are on the clock, and instead of going quarterback, they select Will Anderson, the edge rusher out of Alabama. My thinking here is D'Amico Ryans comes in as a coach, and we know in his 4-3 defense, it's important to have a dominant edge presence. He had it in San Francisco. The recent mail is they're really leaning heavily towards Anderson because they maybe don't like CJ Stroud as much. And with a long deal as head coach, D'Amico has some time to find the right guy, and they have a second first round pick too. So I have them passing on quarterback and going with the edge from Alabama, Will Anderson Jr. Then with pick three, the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. But there's a trade. Now that CJ Stroud has fallen, all bets are off. And it's the Tennessee Titans who leapfrog all the other teams and select CJ Stroud, who is really good when he's not under pressure. He can deal the ball accurately. He's probably the prettiest thrower in the class. And we know that the Titans like to run a lot of play action. If they can keep him clean and give him clear looks, I think now's the time. Ryan Tannehill's contract is tradable. As soon as they see that Stroud has slipped past the Texans, they've jumped up and grabbed him. I'm going to pause here to maybe throw to any observations on those first three picks. Yeah, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go. So I think, I think you're right in Bryce Young. I think that Reich will want to find his quarterback. I think Bryce Young fits that. CJ Stroud, there's a little more doubt about CJ Stroud than Bryce Young. I, I don't... Are, are the Houston Texans happy with Davis Mills? I think he's serviceable enough. But will they take a, quarter, a quarterback later? Maybe we'll wait and see in your mock draft. I think that, you know, you think about... I think I had the, the Houston Texans having one of the best drafts uh, last year. I really... Petre, hmm. uh, Petra, whatever his name is, had a, his safety had a really strong year. Stingley got better. I think they might become a defensive powerhouse. And the trade with Tennessee makes sense because of how aggressive they were last year, getting rid of Brown. I think they're going to try and cover up that big boo-boo uh, and get rid of um, Tannehill. So yeah, I, I actually don't mind that. I don't mind it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think the Bryce Young pick over CJ Stroud is probably the, the common common thought. Um, and going edge, I've read and heard numerous times that because CJ Stroud shares the same manager as Deshaun Watson, there's all that bad blood and the Texans might just not want to deal with that at all. So fair enough. Um, so yeah, that's... And the Titans trading up to jump in front of the Colts to, to get their their quarterback. Uh, it's quite a bevy of picks, but look, they're in a bit of um, in a bit of limbo state in that division. Um, they still need to challenge the Jags. And they, look, they have a good draft, which they probably won't now, but they've given up all the capital. Um, look, they might finish high in, high in the picking next year. Play on. Yes. And Andy, I should say, in my trade, the Titans, they gave up picks 11, 41, 72, and their second round pick next year. So after making this, this move, they won't trade um, pick again until the fourth round. But that's the cost of jumping from 11 to 3, and quarterbacks are worth their weight in gold. So moving along to pick 4, 
The Colts are on the clock. This is probably the most popular pick in the draft at the moment. If this does not occur, 90% of mock drafters will be wrong. And with pick four, the Indianapolis Colts select quarterback Will Levis out of Kentucky. Jim Ursay has been vocal about the team needing to draft a young guy, having tried and failed with veteran quarterbacks recently. I actually think the Colts should have been thinking about trading for Lamar Jackson. I would love that fit with Shane Steichen as the new coach. However, in this scenario, they take uh, the strong arm, six foot four Will Levis, who has a chance to adorn billboards for years to come as the Colts' banana skin eating, mayonnaise coffee drinking franchise wanker. All right. Now, with pick five, the Seattle Seahawks are on the clock. And where will they go? Which position? I have them taking one of the more popular names in the draft. That is Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Now, let's get this out of the way. He is a giant red flag. Jalen Carter might have had one of the worst pre-draft processes in recent memory. He's been arrested. He's pled no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing relating to a crash that killed a Bulldogs teammate and recruiting staff member. He arrived overweight at his pro day where he bombed his athletic testing. And he declared to NFL teams drafting outside the top 10 that he would not visit them because it was a waste of his time. It's basically like all the classic hits of the worst pre-draft process you've ever heard in your life. However, he is without a doubt the most talented defensive prospect in the class. He's PFF's highest-graded defensive player since 2014. Um, and on the field, there's little to doubt with the kind of his natural size, speed, and aggressiveness. So I think what better fit than Seattle, where Pete Carroll was able to negotiate a locker room that included Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett. I feel like Seattle shoots their shot here with pick five, and they go with Jalen Carter. Okay, a bit quicker for the next ones. Pick six, the Detroit Lions are on the clock and I have them selecting edge rusher from Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson. A lot of people are thinking this is a bit of a surprise because, you know, they, they got rid of Jeff Okuda. Will they look for a corner? But there's been a lot of recent discussion. ESPN's Matt Miller has reported that the Lions are infatuated with this guy and the idea of pairing him with Aiden Hutchinson to have two long edge rushers to hopefully bolster their sack production in 2023 and beyond. So it's Tyree Wilson to the Lions. And then at pick seven, Las Vegas are going to draft Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. I feel that they're happy with Jimmy G under center for now. Um, Josh McDaniel is comfortable with that, happy to kind of bank his career on Jimmy G. And where can the Raiders afford to get better? Cornerback is an immediate spot of need, and he should improve their pass defense straight away. With pick number eight, it is the Atlanta Falcons on the clock. And with pick eight, there's another trade, and this move is going to send the NFL world into a frenzy. Commissioner Goodell announces that Bill Belichick has sent Mac Jones packing in a trade to Atlanta, giving voice to the many rumors of the past few weeks. And he's going to trade pick 76 and Mac Jones to the Falcons in exchange for pick eight. And he's going to come up and select Anthony Richardson from Florida. 
Belichick realizes this might be his last chance to compete with the likes of Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert. So he's going to go up and get his own high ceiling cornerback. And we all know that even though Richardson doesn't have the experience, he has the raw athleticism and Belichick decides it's time to go for it. Let's make a trade and selects Anthony Richardson. I'm going to pause there, boys. What do you think? Looks like Andy's on mute, so I will. Uh, I'll go. Um, I, th- I like the Will Levis uh, draft beca- to the Colts because I think Jonathan Taylor has a bounce back year, and he's going to have a bell cow running back. As you mentioned, the Seattle Seahawks make sense uh, drafting. What's his name? Um, Carter. Carter. Yeah, as you know, Pete Carroll runs a college style locker room with his USC ties, and you're right, used to dealing with big personalities. The the Tyree Wilson, Dan Campbell wants to get a strong point of attack. Witherspoon, kind of serendipitous that I said he's a question mark, so he goes to the Raiders. So fuck you, Raiders. Uh, I don't think I don't think Atlanta does that trade. I don't think Mac Jones is uh, is nowhere near as sexy as Anthony Richardson. So I I, I really don't think that that happens, um, especially with so picks fourteen and seventy six and Mac Jones. I think Anthony Richardson is worth more than that. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's surprised me for the uh, the Patriots to come up and select a QB. But um, look, stranger things have happened. So uh, I would expect Atlanta themselves to take Richardson. I uh, mm. find him to be mm. a far better prospect than um, what Mac Jones has shown in his two years. So well, far. perhaps wait to see what I do with Atlanta's pick a li- little later on. But Maybe. I just see... Mac Jones in a Shanahan system that Arthur Smith runs, Mac Jones is very good at quickly diagnosing and accurately throwing the ball. And we know they want to run the ball a lot. Could he have success a la all the 49ers quarterbacks? I think Mac Jones could deal in that system and Arthur Smith needs wins now. That's the thinking. All right, moving on. The next few will be quick. Pick nine, the Chicago Bears are on the clock and they need to give some help to Justin Fields. They take Peter Skaronsi. Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle, who just played half hour up the road at Northwestern. He stays in the state of Illinois, and he's got that uh, position versatility where you can really plug him in anywhere in the line and give some help to Justin Fields. Pick 10, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock, and with the job that GM Howie Roseman has done, they can go in a number of directions here. I looked at their needs, I looked at their roster, Both of their outside cornerbacks are over 30 years of age. So I have them taking Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon, who will have at least some time to learn new DC Sean Desai's quarters coverage scheme before being thrust into the role. He probably needs a bit of time to kind of learn, and I like the fit. True to what the Eagles do, which is to draft for future rather than current needs. With pick 11, Arizona's on the clock. First pick for new coach, Jonathan Gannon, first pick for new GM, Monty Ossenfort. He said repeatedly in press conferences the importance of high character and love for football as a selection criterion for Cardinals. Well, does it get better than Nolan Smith from Georgia? He's a defensive player. He's a building block for Gannon. I send Nolan Smith to the Cardinals with pick 11. Then with pick number 12, second pick for the Houston Texans, I have them selecting Quentin Johnston, Wide receiver out of TCU, everyone's scratching their head saying, hang on, you you didn't take a quarterback at two, you took Will Anderson, now you're taking Quentin Johnston? 
Well, I have them making a move for Trey Lance. D'Amico Ryans and new OC Bobby Slowick have both come across from the 49ers. The 49ers have said they're willing to make a trade. I, If I was coach of the Texans, I'd say next year quarterback, the class is meant to be very, very strong. Let's focus on building good pieces in other spots on the roster. We'll take a flyer on Trey Lance with a later round pick. If it works, great. If it doesn't, we're picking really high again next year and we've built a better roster around our quarterback. So here's a potential X receiver in Quentin Johnston uh, to the Texans. So you're saying, sorry, and just really I'm, quickly, you said Lance to Houston. Yeah, in a separate trade, they're going to take Trey Lance later on in the day. So they're going to come out of this draft with Will Anderson, Quentin Johnston, and Trey Lance, and whoever else they draft is the thinking behind that one. What do you think, um, what do you think I, Trey Lance would cost Houston? I think he could cost around a third... Uh, potentially higher if the 49ers play hardball. But I don't know what leg they have to stand on. Yeah. He's been injured. He's barely played at college or NFL level. I know they took him a pick three overall, but what is his real trade value? Is it higher than a third? Mm. Maybe a second, but I'd have them spending one of those two picks. Yep. Cool. All right, moving along. Pick 13, the New York, Giant, uh, sorry, New York Jets are on the clock. They select... Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Rogers to the Jets. It's almost a fait accompli, so pass protection is going to be paramount. One of the most liked prospects of the draft, Paris Johnson, who's played a couple of spots, and Joe Douglas is happy taking him when Mackay Becton has really struggled to stay healthy. Then with pick 14, the Falcons have traded back, and they select Jackson Smith in Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State. Ooh. So Arthur Smith needs to win games right now. How patient Arthur Blank's going to be, be after two poor seasons. Now his offense is going to boast Mac Jones, Drake London, Smith in Jigba, Kyle Pitts, Tyler Algier. All of a sudden in a weekend NFC South, I'd be pretty happy with that as Arthur Smith and thinking we've got a chance to go out and win some games. So that's yeah. my thinking about how the Falcons have constructed their roster. Uh, I'll go one more before we take a short pause, and it's the Green Bay Packers at pick 15. Dan's favorite pick, uh, favorite team, Andy's uh, cousin. Hope you're listening, Dan. And the Packers select Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer, who really is one of the most serious football-loving humans to walk God's green earth. So I think what better fit than frigid, historical Green Bay, Wisconsin, and if Jordan Love's going to start, he's going to need uh, a weapon over the middle of the field. And I also think Lafleur is going to lean heavily towards the running game to help out his young QB while he grows. And Michael Mayer, as we discussed on the last show, is that wide tight end who can do a bit of both. So I like the fit for Green Bay. Jack, how, what are you thinking of the last few picks? Skoronsky, yeah. The, the, the most difficult one is Philadelphia at 10. Where do they go? I've, I've also maybe had them taking like a Kansi or even a, or, yep. or even a Bijan Robinson and just going, you know what, screw it. Let's just go offense, offense, offense to compete with the, uh, the Chiefs. Nolan Smith, I think, is far too, is far too smart a pick for the Cardinals. I don't think I think Kyler Murray's <laughs> going to be involved there and he's going to want weapons because Hopkins is leaving so I don't think they draft him there. I think they go someone like a Quinton Johnson or a Jackson Smith in Jigba. Uh, Paris Johnson 
get protection for Aaron Rodgers. The Jets have plenty of weapons with Garrett Wilson, uh, Brees Hall, uh, all those guys. Uh, Mayer is an interesting one at Green Bay. They could go fuck you to Aaron Rodgers and actually draft a Jackson Smith and Jigba if he doesn't go, or a Zay Flowers. You know, they actually do draft a first round wide receiver just as Aaron Rodgers leaves. Hmm, yeah. That would be quite. That would be very funny. Uh, fuck you, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. But yeah, that's what I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, I think they're all pretty uh, sensible picks. Myself, um, Chicago and the Jets taking tackles is um, painted all across the uh, across the dra- mock draft world. Um, Jack, that's a very funny point. Nolan Smith, far too <laughs> sensible a selection from Arizona. Um, I think Michael May is probably the most well-rounded offensive option uh, for the Packers as well, just to suit both um, that passing game over the middle and additional protection in the run game. So I like that pick for uh, for the Packers at 15. Righty dokey. Okay, it's pick 16. Right, it's the Washington... <laughs> Righty yep. dokey. Okay, oh. all right. Cut, cut that up for me, would you, Jack? <laughs> yeah, I will. Let's T- edit time, it. Time stamp at 139. That was awesome. yeah. <laughs> Washington Commanders, they're up on the clock, and what are they going to do? Tell us, Andy. There's going to be the third trade of the first round. This time it's the Baltimore Ravens Ooh. who are going to jump up from pick 22. They're also going to give away pick 86 and a 2024 third round pick. The commanders are going to give them back pick 16 and 118. So the Ravens come up and looking at their roster, they badly need a corner. And they're going to jump up one spot ahead of the Steelers and take famous Steelers Joey Porter's son, Joey Porter Jr., in a move that is going to incense all of the black and yellow fans, they can line Joey Porter Jr. up opposite Marlon Humphrey. They love to play bump and run man coverage on the outside. I see this guy as a perfect fit in Baltimore. So they take Joey Porter Jr. with a 16th overall pick. Then at pick 17, Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. They have a future need along the defensive line, and maybe it's something about the black and yellow he wore for the Hawkeyes, but I have them drafting Lucas Van Ness, the edge rusher, to go in there and play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He kind of looks like he'd fit that vaunted defense. He has time to learn behind TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. I think this could be quite a high upside pick down the track, and he would help that continue to fortify that Pittsburgh defensive front, which they love to lean on and Tomlin loves to build. All right, the second pick for the Detroit Lions. At pick 18, they take one of Jack's favorites. Now they are going to hit cornerback and they'll hit Deontay Banks out of Maryland. So they're coming away with two defensive pieces. It should help Aaron Glenn. Their defense was really bad last year. Okuda's out of the building. They have a need. So I think this fits nicely with the kind of profile they're looking for in their cornerbacks out in Detroit. Just really quickly, do you think the suspension of Jamison Williams changes their... Because remember, it's the first six games of the year. Do you think that changes their draft uh, approach at all? Yes, unfortunately, that news broke this morning just after the mock had been settled and submitted. But the, I mean, just to tease that out, Williams is missing six games this year. Yeah. If if I was the GM and wasn't going to hit wide receiver in the first round, I don't know if that mere fact would make me do it in the first. 
I do think they will address it at some point in the draft. I just don't know if it will change their first round strategy is yeah. my immediate response they've, to that one. They've lost considerable depth as well as part of that suspension yes. group. Um, yeah. Still have Armon Rust and Brown, so I uh, wouldn't change change the ship's course uh, in the first round if I were them. Nor would I. Uh, all right, we've pick 19. We're into the second half. Not too long to go. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the clock. They could do a number of things here. I think they're going to be a bad team this year. They're going to take Miles Murphy, the edge from Clemson. Um, they have not had recent success with uh, Tryon Shoyenka uh, or Logan Hall. Both have struggled at the NFL level, so they're going to hit defensive line and the front seven again. Murphy's going to have some time to receive the, the kind of development he needs to other aspects of his game that we discussed on today's show. And I think Todd Bowles will happily kind of kick the can down the road and he can be an edge rusher over the next three to four years on his rookie deal out in Tampa Bay. All right, last pick before the Chargers. It's the Seahawks on the clock. They are going to select a Charger favorite, I'm afraid. They're taking wide receiver Zay Flowers from Boston College. Um, Pete Carroll's not mucking around. The dude's 72 years old. They want to go out there and win. And Metcalf paired with Lockett, mm. paired with Flowers. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's, that's looking nice Walker. now. Geno Smith. Yeah. They can run the ball as well. And they already kind of took their uh, defensive shot with Jalen Carter at pick five. Walking out with Jalen Carter oh. and Zay Flowers. <laughs> Damn. That I hope <laughs> Seahawks fans, you're probably not listening. But if you are, I reckon you'd approve of this one. Um, that is that for the Seahawks. They will be poised to make a playoff run next year, I dare say, if that's what they walk away yeah, from out of round one. Uh, pick 21, of course, it is the Miami Dolphins who have had to forfeit that pick after naughty, naughty, trying to lure Tom Brady across you, Stephen Ross. So they're off. And now the moment, if you've been patient and you're here and you're ready to listen, the charges are on the clock. We're ready to go. Chargers are on the clock. And they... <laughs> finally, finally, we've been waiting for a trade-down scenario. And thankfully, the Chargers have found a willing partner in the Buffalo Bills who are trading pick 27 and their third round pick, pick 91. They're going to come up to pick 21 and arm Josh Allen with another weapon. And it is USC's Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, the Bills have to keep pace with these heavy hitters in the AFC. Um, there are concerns about Addison's kind of weight profile, sure. But, geez, he did it a lot at the college level. And now if he can play second banana to Stefan Diggs, he should have plenty of opportunities to find the end zone in 2023. So McDermott trying to keep pace with the big, big boys in the AFC. He's taken Jordan Addison uh, out of USC. All right, pause right there. What do we think? You go, Andy. Uh, well, dial, <clears throat> dialing right back to Baltimore trading in front of Pittsburgh uh, to take Joey Porter Jr., that's quite a laugh. Um, something they'd probably do as well. Baltimore are dogs. Um, they, that would be a formidable cornerback uh, pairing with uh, Humphrey. I like Van Ness at Pittsburgh as well. He kind of looks like half TJ Watt in, that, uh, in, his, in his current kit. Um, nice draft haul from Detroit taking Banks. On top of, uh, who did you have in the first? Tyree Wilson. Um, I'm happy that Tampa Bay take Miles Murphy. That means he doesn't fall to the Chargers. Um, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison in back-to-back -back picks uh, kind of stings a little bit uh, for the wide receiver prospect. But 
look, you've really made this a, a fan-friendly mock draft so far, um, giving everyone who they want and trading back uh, for an extra third-round pick. So those two wide receivers on the board, um, the next sort of five picks are going to get pretty stressful from a Chargers fan's point of view just to see who's still there. So, Jack, what do you think, mate? Yeah, you the... surprised by any? Not really. I thought that, yeah, the Lions obviously moving on from Okuda, which I remember we were talking about him as a possible top five, top three quarterback, cornerback in uh, in the near future. Hasn't really worked out. So Deontay Banks is good there. I sort of feel like the, the Pittsburgh are trying to create a fistful of white claw, which is weird because their coach is black. Um, <laughs> with Van Ness. <laughs> <laughs> with Van Ness and TJ Watt there. I could imagine those guys partying pretty hard back in the college days. Yeah, listen, getting 27 and 91, I think, is is good. Uh, whether the Bills would actually do that for Jordan Addison, I don't know. Zay Flowers, I think, is slightly different. But is Addison a little bit too much like... Um, who's their, yeah, who's their Stephon wide receiver? Diggs. Diggs. Stefan Diggs. I don't know. I don't... They've got Gabriel Davis and, as the bigger and, guy, and so maybe Davis. he plays slot. Mm. Maybe Addison fits their and who, slot. And who's their uh, tight end? They've got Dawson Knox. Dawson, Dawson, Dawson yeah, Knox. Dawson Knox. So that's a pretty handy. That's a pretty handy receiving core. Uh, the, if the Seahawks walk away with Zay Flowers and uh, Jalen Carter, where we? That's a very you know. Very I, good draft. I don't, oh, I'm I'm gonna jump back and say that Jordan Addison would be a good versatile, like a, a well-rounded wide receiver pick. But I could also see. Buffalo just go and stuff it. Let's take Bijan. Let's jump up and mm. take him. That may be a less sensible thing to do because I think he'd still be there at 27. Uh, but yep. I think maybe he could, if they're going to jump up to take one of the one or the two, maybe I'd see them taking Bijan over Addison. Mm. Fair. All right. A few picks before the charges are on the clock. So it's the commanders at 22. Who are they going to sec- select? They've got a new OC, right? It's Eric Bieniemy, and who does uh, who did he have a tight end just recently in Kansas City for many years? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to try and strike gold twice here, and they're taking Dalton Kincaid to the Commanders uh, for the reasons I described. They need a tight end. I think their starters John Bates. They don't have anyone there. If they're really going to go ahead with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, he's going to need some weapons, and Dalton Kincaid is certainly that. With pick 23, perhaps a bit of a surprise. Minnesota is on the clock. They're going to take Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver, out of Tennessee. Surprise selection. He's become a popular first-round name for the draft literati who think he might be one of the best wide receivers in the class. Sam Monson from PFF has him as his third-ranked wide receiver and that he's flying under the radar due to the ankle sprain. Well... If Kevin O'Connell and uh, the Vikings brass think they're going to win with Kirk Cousins, they've just lost Thielen. They need to give Justin Jefferson a running mate. So they're going to take the six foot three wide receiver, Cedric Tillman, to come in and play well from day, day one. Pick 24, Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Not a lot of needs for them, but next year they plan to start Cam Robinson and Walker Little at the offensive tackle spots. So I have them spending a pick on Tennessee tackle Darnell Wright, yeah. who is a very capable pass protector. And this late in the first round, I think he projects as a bit of a steal. So a good upgrade to a future position of need for Doug Peterson and their ascending young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. 
All right, only a couple more to go now, Chargers fans. It's the New York Giants on the clock with pick 25. And in a very unsexy pick, they're going to eat their vegetables and draft center John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. They had one of their more pleasant surprises last year being Daniel Jones's ability to find first downs with his legs. John Michael Schmitz is a very good run blocker. Uh, he's experienced as a center. And even though they have other needs, I think the value here is pretty good for the Giants. They take their center and a kind of leader in the middle of their offensive line. All right. Here are some guys on the clock, Chargers fans. There's Bijan. There is uh, Brian Brzee. Broderick Jones is still there, the offensive tackle. Brian Branch is still there from Alabama. Who are the Cowboys taking? Of course, Gerrard. They're looking to kind of sell merchandise, ticket sales. It's going to be a Bijan, the Texas Longhorn at running back. Out goes Zeke, in comes Bijan. Tickets, 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 money, 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 bit of whiskey. And he will be an absolute superstar uh, wearing the big star in Dallas for many, many years to come. All right, we're finally here. Los Angeles Chargers, they're on the clock. Trade down. Saley's not going to be able to help himself. They're taking Brian Branch. They're taking Brian Branch, having accumulated a third. They're walking away from the first round with one of the blue chip prospects in his own way. He certainly has the quality to be a top 10 worthy prospect in this class. He fits a need with Callahan unsigned. He's the exact prototype DB that Staley loves. Similar scheme in Bama. Very smart, does very little long, uh, does very little wrong, I should say. He's a day one contributor, can help on their quest for the Super Bowl. What do you think? All right. Um, I find Kincaid to Washington very interesting because they're not in a window. And with Kincaid's age profile and also his injury history, you kind of wonder how successful he's going to be if they're going for a Super Bowl in their window in the next three to five years. So that, that I, I question that. The Tillman one yep. I really question because where are they in terms of a franchise? The Vikings, are they in their window or not? What are they going to do after Kirk Cousins? Who knows? I think you're right with Jags and Giants. They're not in their windows. Well, the Jags arguably are, but they're not. They're, they've just paid. Well, they're going to, Jags are going to have to pay uh, Stoneface Easter Island soon. And the Giants have just paid Jones. So, you know, they're, they're looking in the next three to five. Bijan Robinson makes sense to Dallas. Big flashy signing. It's a shame because that means it's not available for him. Uh, I really want, to be honest, if we're picking at pick 27, I don't know if I'm even getting excited about Brian Branch, to be honest. I don't know if I'm getting excited about, oh, about many things. I, I really have struggled in this, in this draft class to to go at 21. I, I don't know if I'm sold on anyone. I'm a bit down. I, I'm actually a bit down with mm. Brian Branch personally, but hey, see what happens. Yeah, it's um, he's a versatile option, Brian Branch, and it's it's good. At least we didn't take him at 21. I'm happy with the extra capital in the third. Um, of who's left, I'm, I am surprised by Cedric Tillman, but look, maybe there's there's more that I haven't seen. Uh, that he was inhibited by that ankle. Um, kind of sensible positions. The Jags have done really well. They've hit on a lot of key position players in recent drafts. So, and in free why... agency too. Yeah, so why mm. force it? Um, 
you're getting a, a tackle that could be really good with the potential for a fifth year uh, under cost control. So that's sensible play. Schmitz, uh, surprised to see him go in the first, but look, um, he does have... Ex- always a couple of surprises on draft night. Yeah, always. You're right. Um, other than that, look, I'm not, I'm not as down as Jack on Brian Branch, but it's at that point where I'm just going, oh, look, the few guys went even ahead of um, where we were picking at 21. So let's see what we can make make work with the, the rest of the picks later on in the draft. I, I guess I'm not down. I'm just a bit like, oh, you know, I'm just a bit, oh, it's a good, it's a good sign. Oh. And we're just a bit like, oh. That's all right. We won't film your draft reaction this week, this year. No, <laughs> no. If it's branch, there will be, there will be star jumps at your place, Andy. I think that is like, best possible scenario you do, because this draft i don't think there's much difference between you know your picks 10 and your picks 30 that's i agree with jack that there, there are a few players to get excited about but if your goal is to kind of find value i think branch is a top 10 player in this class mm. and you've got him at pick 27 and i think he will make pro bowls i think he's going to be a, a very good nfl player so at 27 you've added a pick you can address wide receiver and other positions later on and edge. We'll, we'll be um, cheersing our glasses, as I'm sure plenty of Chargers fans will be. Uh, all right, very quickly to end, because I know that the, the exciting part's over. The Bengals at 28 select Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. Um, they Jonah Williams has kind of expressed dissatisfaction because they're going to try and move him to right tackle now that they signed Antonio... Uh, Big left tackle from Kansas City, oh, Orlando Brown. Brown yeah. Sorry, Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, so they're going to look to, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, they're going to look to build their kind of offensive line. They take Broderick Jones, pick twenty nine. New Orleans select Brian Brzee, the defensive lineman. They've lost Marcus Davenport to free agency, and he kind of fits the profile of the massive defensive lineman that the Saints traditionally like to target. I think that makes sense. And a pick 29, that's a pretty good spot for him, given his pedigree as a college and a high school player. And then with the last, second last pick of the first round, the Philadelphia Eagles, a bit of a dream for them. They're going to take Kalijah Cansey, the defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh, who's slid to 30. They can pair him opposite Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, the big heavy guy who can oh, eat the meat. Amazing. And next next to the small penetrating three technique, what a fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then our enemies, they're our rivals, the Kansas City Chiefs. What have they done this offseason? They've signed Juwan Taylor to replace Orlando Brown Jr. on the left side. On the right at the moment, they're going to have to start one of Lucas Nyang or Prince Tega Winogo or Darian Kennard. So I say that will not do. They take Anton Harrison, the offensive tackle, out of Oklahoma to finish off and cap on the first round. It's good value there because the tackles get paid so much. You've got the fifth year option there under cost control. He probably needs a year in the gym anyway. So they're drafting for future need. And there you have it. Move. It's the end of the uh, Al's perennial mock draft. Very good, mate. Well done. Well, done. well yeah, put together. Um, always appreciate the time that you put into all of our uh, pre-draft stuff. You really lead the way. So thanks, mate. Um, I'd totally even lost... That Kalaja Kansi was available to us at twenty seven. I just had assumed that you'd already called his name out. So uh, there you go. There. But that's that's just Philadelphia just absolutely brains this with um Howie Roseman just bulk first round picks. You know, losing the Super Bowl, they're in the window. They're just going to continue to be good for a little while. 
credit to them. Um, not much else is a surprise for me. I know that there's uh, tackle unrest at Cincy. They really need to protect Joe Burrow because he's just getting smashed. They need to hang on to him. I'll wrap up my thoughts. Jack, anything from you, mate, before we sign off for the day? I think you hit the nail on the head, Alistair. This is a value draft after about pick number six or seven. Interesting, Anthony Richardson did not go in your mock draft. I find that quite fascinating that no one's going to take a first-round flyer on him. Even teams... No, Anthony Richardson, the Patriots came up and yeah. picked him at eight. Oh, sorry, that of course they did. Sorry, I follow. sorry about that, yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I've completely forgotten about it because I don't think that would happen. Such a bad move. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I think it's just value. I, this, I must admit, out of the last three draft classes where we've been kind of looking at this uh, a little closer, this does not excite me as much as the others. I don't know if that's the same for you two, but yeah, there yeah. just doesn't seem to be. And, and I kind of wonder whether this is... Uh, a product of maybe COVID and players not having as much development or not as much game time or interrupted yep. seasons, interrupted that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not super excited about this draft, but we'll see what happens. I think where I'll be excited is in day two and day three to see what we're doing in terms of team building. That's what's going to get me really excited. <clears throat> yeah. So I think a few exciting pairs for matches for the Chargers. If it's Cansey or Branch or Flowers... For me, Addison, they're guys that will get me excited. They're, they're kind of my ones I'll be quite pumped about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Jack, just to see how the philosophy kind of unfolds uh, as the three days go on. It'll be plenty of fun. Um, well, I'm actually going to leave the guys for about six or seven weeks uh, after today's show, heading over to Europe with my lovely fiancé for a bit of a holiday. Um, the guys have got some... Um, some cool videos planned with some some guests uh, coming up and uh, all the post-draft and early pre-season stuff to get stuck into. So um, be, be sure to uh, check the socials, Twitter, TDU underscore charges, um, to follow when our new gear is coming out. So uh, leave it in your very trustworthy hands, fellas. I have no doubt that you'll have plenty of fun and I look forward to listening uh, listening to you from tens of thousands of miles away. So have a great trip, mate. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Um, and I'm looking forward to the trip. That's that's for sure. Uh, great. To all the listeners, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll see how our draft goes, and be sure to leave the comments on who you want drafted at 121 or a trade back scenario too. Until next time, we'll see you then on Thunder Down Under. See you guys. See you later. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, 10, 5, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo! Good night! Good night to all!